Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. You're here and a wonderful time in the Lord. Be here a little early. Doesn't it feel like just got here a little early this morning? That hour makes a difference, right? Wow, you guys aren't even up yet. Okay, the hour makes a difference. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place? At the right time, right now. And so we, we're just glad you're here. We're going to uh, continue this series we're in called All In, All In. And what we're basically saying is committing yourself to being all in with God. And uh, many of you are probably familiar with uh, the TV series at one time. There was uh, Texas Hold'em where they would throw all their chips into the table and said, I'm all in, everything. And I'm risking it all, putting everything in, and uh, I'm going to see what the outcome is. And I believe that's the gospel. The gospel doesn't cost us anything because Jesus already paid the price, but it does demand everything. In other words... We're willing to give our lives and put our lives in God's hands that we're all in with God. Because many times we think we're going to miss out on life if we're, all, if we're all in with God. But you're going to miss out on what God has for you if you're not all in. So I'm going to pray today as we talk about commitment. Say commitment. We're going to talk about commitment because commitment has everything to do with being all in. So let me pray and ask the Lord to help us today. So Father, we thank you. Thank you for every person in this building today. I thank you, God, that your word is true, that your word never changes, that your word applies to our lives in 2023. And I pray today, God, as I minister your word, that the people of God would receive it into their heart, remove every distraction. I pray today, God, that you would anoint every word that I speak today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. And we could just kind of lower a little bit of the monitor. I found a little bit echoing a little bit, so if you could help me with that. And so this morning, what I'm going to minister on something is I feel very strongly about. In fact, what I'm going to minister to you is going to kind of challenge you a bit and may make you even a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, but God's Word is that way. Sometimes it makes us a little uncomfortable, right? And so, in fact, I'm going to kind of share a joke to make you feel better before I get deep into the Word here. Uh, and so hopefully it'll, it'll kind of uh, set the mood. Uh, if, if it's not funny, just laugh out of courtesy for me. Make me feel better. Uh, but there was this man that uh, was on a special day. He told Honey, he told his, his girlfriend, Honey, uh, I just want to tell you something. I'm not rich like Jack. I don't have a mansion like Russell. I don't have a Tesla like Martin. But I love you and I want to marry you. And she said, dear, I love you too, but tell me a little bit more about Jack. A little bit more about him. <laughs> yeah, it's not the greatest thing. <laughs> and this, this one I've shared before, but I, I, I like it. One morning, Betty woke up with a smile. Her husband, Jim, had uh, asked her, what's the matter? She said, I had a dream that you gave me a personal necklace for my birthday. And he goes, what do you think it means? He goes, you'll know tonight. That evening, Jim came home with a small package. She gave it to her. Betty was so delighted, she opened it up and with a book called The Meaning of Dreams. The Meaning of Dreams. 
<laughs> answered, answered everything for you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that, guys. You'll be in the doghouse. But I'm going to read a scripture, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So in reality, when you begin to read the Bible and when you begin to get a hold of the gospel, God is in search. God is looking for people that are fully committed to him. If this church is going to make a difference in our community, if it's going to make a difference in our nation today, uh, we have to learn today that uh, it's going to take commitment. Uh, we live in a time, especially uh, as you look in the news, where there's all kinds of scandals that are happening, all kinds of integrity that is uh, really in question, even when it comes to government, when it comes to schooling, when it comes to all these different things. And I'm here to tell you today that uh, really you can't change society. It's not good. The poli uh, political or the politics is not going to change it. Uh, you can't legislate people to change. Education is not even going to change it. I believe uh, there's great intentions, but what we're going to need is a spiritual awakening. And it's going to start with commitment. It's going to start with people that are, commitment, are committed. And what you're committed to is going to define your life. What you're committed to will define your life. You've heard me say it today, or said it, I've said it many times, you are the sum total of your commitment. Uh, tell me what you're committed to, and I'll tell you the direction of your life. I'll tell you where you're headed. I'll tell you the outcome of your life. Some people are controlled and directed by their circumstances. Some people are controlled and directed by many things around them. But mature people, people that have grown up spiritually, are directed and determined by their commitment. And commitment is a huge responsibility. And whatever you're committed to is what your life is going to turn out to be. So you need to be very careful to what you commit to. And unfortunately, we live in a society today where people are reluctant to make any commitment. We live in a society that's fast-paced. Technology is that a speeding really fast. And so people are more and more reluctant to make long-term commitments. And commitment is not as common as it used to be. And yet commitment is what's going to change the world. Yet people still in our society do not want to make any kind of commitment. It's like people want to keep their options open. And when you think about commitment, people don't want to commit to anything that's long-term. They don't want to commit to a long-term job. They, they don't want to commit to a long-term marriage. They don't want to commit to a long-term investment. They don't want to commit themselves to a church. They don't want to commit themselves to anything. And the attitude is, I want to keep my options open. I don't want to commit to anything in life. Uh, you know, life to them is a buffet, and they want to fill their plate. They don't want to fill their plate up, and when they get 
to the end of the line and said, man, I put the wrong stuff in my plate. Can I start over again? And that's how a lot of people deal with when it comes through commitment. And I can tell you this, through the years, commitment has taken a bad rap, especially when it comes to the church of God and when it comes to the people of God. And that's tragic because you cannot live life without making commitments in your life. How many know you can't buy a house without making a commitment and signing that loan? You can't get married without making a commitment and signing that marriage license and making a vow to your husband and your wife. You can't get a driver's license without you making a commitment to abide by the law and you sign your name on that driver's license. Let me just say this to you. When you sign your name, you're signing your name to the terms that are on that driving license to the terms of the laws of the state of California. And that means when you're pulled over by a police officer and he asks you for your ID and he asks you for your, uh, your insurance, you are supposed to abide according to that because you committed yourself to that. Now, I'm not here to tell you traffic laws, but I'm here to tell you that commitment makes a big difference. You commit yourself when you sign up for Facebook and Instagram and Twitter according to their terms and conditions. So nothing great ever happens unless you make a commitment. So we can go through life and not make commitments, and I'm telling you, you're just going to drift. And today, I want to talk about all-in commitment. Take commitment again. Yeah, I knew it was going to get a little tough. I could feel it out there already. But I'm going to talk about the power of commitment. I'm going to talk about the price of commitment. I'm going to talk about the payoff of commitment. So God, again, is looking for people that he could use, but he needs a committed people. If we're not committed, we're just another social club. We're just another, uh, uh, you know, just another token church. But I don't want to be another token church. I don't want to be a social club. I want to be a church that's going to change lives. I want to be a church that's going to change our nation. It's going to make a difference. Somebody out there wants to do that. A few of us do. Uh, what does it mean to be fully committed to God and to be all in? Is there a difference? Think about this. Is there a difference between being all in and committed and partially committed or half committed or casually committed? Of course, there's a difference. So I want to talk about, first of all, write this down, the power of commitment. What does the Bible say about the power of commitment? The Bible said that Proverbs 16, 3, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Another version says, before you do anything, put your total trust or your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Then every plan that you make will succeed. In other words, you will find the favor and the blessing of God when you commit totally to God, not yourself. So I want you to think about what is the power of commitment? What is the result of that? And there are three things when you commit. The power of commitment shows what you value. It shows what's important to you, what you really, really love. There's no such thing that you can love without commitment. If you say you love something, that means you're committed. If you're a single adult and someone tells you, I love you, but they're not willing to commit to you, that love is not real. That's phony love. Real love makes a commitment. 
Phony love keeps the options open. They don't want to marry you. They don't love you. Being honest this morning, they're not willing to put a ring on it. They don't want to make a commitment. They don't love you. There is no love without commitment. Loving God involves commitment. You can say you love God, you can shout, you can sing, you can dance, and I love that. Keep doing that, keep praising God, but I'm going to tell you, the byproduct of real love is commitment. You got to be committed in obedience, am I right? John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my what? Commandments. So if we're really committed to God, and if we really love God, then it's going to be displayed by our obedience. When it comes to loving others and saying that we love others, it's displayed by our commitment to them. You can't love without making a true commitment. I don't care what you say. You can try to justify it. You can, I, I, I know exactly what it takes to love according to the word of God. I may, I may say something is important to me, but if I'm not really committed to that and I'm not really displaying that, then you know what? That's really not that important to me. Your commitment is going to be shown by your time, your energy, and what you're willing to invest in it. For instance, you can say, my family is important to me, but if you never spend time with your family, you never invest time with your wife and your children, and you're always at work, and you're always hanging out with your buddies, and you're always doing your little hobbies, but you never spend time with your family, can I tell you something? Your family's not that important to you. If I say my health is important and I don't commit my time to taking care of myself and I go to the hat and I'm eating pastrami burgers like I did last night, then that's not really that important to me, is it? I'm going to make a confession. Yep. I went and did a wedding escondido last night. And I went and, and as we were driving on the way, on the way through Temecula, I seen the hat. And I said, oh, my goodness, I think we're going to have to stop there on the way back. I was with Peter Howell. Yeah, I'm going to drop the dime on Peter Howell. I said, what do you think, Peter? He goes, I'm in, Pastor. I'm all in. So we did this wedding. When I did this wedding last night, I committed a year ago that I would, that I would go do this wedding. And, and I realized on the way back, I'm driving back, and I'm thinking about my health. And I'm thinking about my wife, and I'm thinking about myself, and thinking, I probably shouldn't go there. But what did I do? I said, pull off right here. We're going to eat at the hat. And then I got a text from my wife. She goes, I see that you found the hat. <laughs> she had this little tracking thing, and she said, hey, I see that you said, yeah, I'm here. I'm just going to, what can I say? I confess. See, church, if I say something's important to me, but I do something else, it's not that important. If I say church is important to me, and say, oh, yeah, the church is so important, but you never show up. You hardly ever come. Church is not really that important to you. Who are you fooling? Nothing is important to me unless I'm willing to make a commitment. And when you're not willing to make a commitment, that means life is all about you. You are the center of the universe. You are Captain Me Planet. Everything evolves around you. And the uncommitted life is the selfish life. Let's just be honest. The reason why you won't commit, you're selfish. It's all about you. 
It's all about what you want and what you think is important. And it's called selfishness. Let's not sugarcoat it because commitment involves being all in. Can I preach this morning? It really shows what you value. Number two, what it does, it defines your life. What you're committed to will define who you really are. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines what? The course of your life. I become whatever I'm committed to. Your life is the sum total of your commitments. If I believe making money is what I'm committed to and, and what's important to me, then I'm going to do that. If I believe in uh, my well, uh, if I believe that, you know what, I want to be popular, then I'm going to be committed to Facebook and put all these fake profile and fake angle pictures and look good and all of that uh, because I'm committed to that. If I'm committed to partying, having a good time, then I'm, I'm I'm going to show all kinds of pictures of me partying, but let me ask you, what are you committed to? I could sit down 15 minutes and ask about your priorities, and I can know exactly what you're committed to. Just give me 15 minutes with you. Let me ask you a few questions, and I could tell you what your life is about. I can tell you what defines you. I can tell you where you're going, and I can tell you where you're going to be by the time you get an old age. I can tell you exactly because what you committed to is what defines your life. Because once you make a commitment, listen to me, in life, your commitment defines you. You become what, the, what you're committed to. It becomes your character. It begins to shape you, and it becomes your story. So you better be careful to what you commit to. See, some of us are committing to something every day. Did you hear me? And number three, your commitment, the power of commitment, it really, what it tells us, it determines your destiny. What do I mean by that? A specific future or outcome is the result to what you're committed to. Think about our nation. Think about, I, I, I was driving here today, and my wife was sharing with me a testimony that she uh, heard of, of a young lady who grew up in Lebanon and, and how her, her house was bombed and she was found in the rubble. And she began to tell me about this young girl's testimony and what God did. And I began to think, man, my God, thank God I live in the United States and, and my house isn't bombed. And they didn't find me in any rubble rubble or anything, and the, the destiny of our nation and what freedom that we experience was done by committed people that spilled their blood for our freedom. Somebody had to make a commitment. Our freedom was bought with a price. Man, I'm preaching this morning. Some of you aren't really listening, but that's okay. It's going to determine your eternity. It's going to determine your destiny. See, we're, you're going to live here on earth 60, 70, maybe 80 years at the most. But let me tell you, you're going to spend more time in eternity than you are on this earth. So your relationship with Christ and your commitment to Christ is going to determine eternity with you. And it will determine what kind of reward. If you make it in, it will determine what kind of reward you get. Jesus said it this way, Mark 8, 37, for what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So you are exchanging your life for something every day. Your time, your energy is the currency of your commitment. And every day you're waking up and you're exchanging your life 
for something. It could be relaxation. It could be social media. It could be television. It could be money. It could be work. But you're exchanging your life for something. And the Bible says, uh, what shall a man gain if he basically gives his soul uh, to all these things uh, or, or he gives his time to all these things and loses his own soul? So the Bible says we need to be very careful how we're committed and how we're spending our time. Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. So wise people are planning and they are wise about what they're exchanging their life for. Is what you're exchanging your life really going to make a difference in eternity? Is it all about the here and now? Because wise people say, wait a minute. I better be ready for eternity. Is what I'm making an investment going to make a difference in eternity? See, if you don't get anything else out of this message today, every choice that you make has a consequence. And every commitment that you make has a consequence. So make sure you are making careful commitments because these are the most significant things. And I'm going to tell you, the little things begin to add up. The things that you're doing. The choice and commitment that you make. This is why it's important that we learn to live by our commitment and not by our emotions. Am I right? Mature people live by their commitments. Immature people live by their emotions. Emotions, I told you last week, uh, your feelings will deceive you. Your emotions will come and go. Uh, I don't, you know, how many of you feel every, every Monday, how many of you feel like, man, I can't wait to go to work today. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're, in fact, you can't wait. You're, Sunday after service, you're just looking forward. Like, I get to go to work tomorrow. Most of us, Monday morning, go, oh, my goodness. It's Monday. I don't really feel like getting up. I don't feel like going to work today. But what causes you to go to work? Responsibility and commitment. Am I right? Because mature or immature people live by their emotion. I don't feel like getting married, uh, being married today. You made a commitment, boy. You made a commitment, woman. It doesn't matter what you feel. Immature people live by emotion. It's what I'm committed to. I've made a commitment. And so we have to realize today, as people of God, the power of our commitment and what we're committed to is going to determine our destiny. Are we willing to put Christ first in our commitment? Write this down. There is a price to our commitment today. There is a price to it. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. It says, if you want to be my followers, he said, you must love me more than your own father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, and yes, more than your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Who said that? Jesus. Jesus said that. I didn't say it. I didn't make it up. Jesus makes this statement that he's basically saying, you know what? If you don't love me, if you don't put me first, then basically you can't be my follower. Jesus said, I don't want half of your life. I don't want to be a quarter of your life. I want all of your life. In fact, I want to be more important than you. 
Jesus is very clear about the cost of commitment. Jesus is very clear of what he's demanding. He say, basically, Jesus says, I expect to be first place in your life. How many know that's a pretty bold statement? That's pretty bold for somebody to say, you know what, I want to be number one. I want to be more important than your mom. I want to be more important than your dad. I want to be more important than your husband, than your wife, than your children. In fact, I want to be more important than you if you're going to be my disciple. Jesus Christ makes a demand on your life that no dictator would make, that no ruler would make, not even your own wife would make this demand. But yet Jesus does it. Does he have a right to do it? Yes, he does. Because he's the one that made you and created you. He's the one that loves you. He's the one that died on the cross for you. Nobody else can make that claim because Jesus is the only one that was willing to give his life for you. And can I tell you, Jesus doesn't want a slice of your life. He wants all of your life. Some people think, well, you know, uh, my life is like a pie. And Jesus gets a little slice here, and I got a little slice of uh, of a career here, and I have a sex life slice, and ambition slice, and and family slice, and, and, and so Jesus gets a slice. No, Jesus says, I want the whole pie. I don't want a slice. No, thank you. I don't want to be a slice of your life. I want to be all of your life. Jesus said, I don't want to be a little accessory to your little outfit. Are you hearing me today? I want to be the whole thing. Can you say amen? I'm going to make a statement to you today. If Jesus Christ is not Lord of all your life, he's not Lord at all in your life. He's not Lord at all in your life. See, we're, we're talking about real commitment. We're talking about really, I'm telling you, I, a lot of us say, man, I love this series. Do you? Do you? Because we're talking about being all in. See, many of us want a Savior that can save us from our sin, but we don't want him to be Lord of our life that will free us from our sin. We want to be saved from our sin, but we don't want to be free from our sin. See, we really don't want Jesus to be Lord of our life. And can I just tell you something? He wants to be Lord of your life, not only Savior of your life. In fact, C.S. Lewis said this way, if Christianity is untrue, then it's unimportant. In other words, if the Bible isn't real, and if what Jesus said and demanded isn't real, then what are we doing here this morning? On the other hand, if Christianity is the ultimate importance, and it is real, then nothing in life matters but Christ. And Jesus Christ needs to be number one in my life. See, there's one thing that Christianity cannot be. It cannot be moderately important. Can't be well, kind of important to me. No, it has to be all important to you. This phrase, well, I'm kind of a casual Christian. That's a contradiction. It's like saying I'm a little pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not, honey. <laughs> I'm not a little pregnant. I'm a little sick. You're either sick or you're not. Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to seek me first. You're going to put me first in your life. So how do we begin to do this? And I need to move really fast. I don't have enough time to cover all this message, so I want to go in this really fast. Number one, how do we begin to put God first? Number one, your first thought in the morning, the moment you wake up, needs to be God and needs needs you to say, thank you, God, for letting me live another day. The Bible says, Psalm 5, 3, each morning I will look to you in heaven 
and lay my request before you. In other words, he's saying, the first thing I do is I pray. The first thing, now, a lot of us this morning, you may not get up in the morning and read your Bible and take some time to pray. I encourage you to do that. But at least what you could do, and when you wake up in the morning, before you get out of bed and, and take, brush your teeth and do all of that, maybe you ought to lay in bed for just a few seconds, maybe a minute, and just thank God, God, thank you, I'm alive today. I want to thank you for my life. I want to thank you for another day. I'm grateful for your mercy. I'm grateful for what you've done in my life. Can you say amen? amen. And we, we need to, instead of, you know, right away we pick up Facebook and you see all that drama. Then you turn on all the bad news, uh, uh, you know, bad morning America, and you do all of that. Uh, and, and by that time, you know, by the time you get around to talking to God, you're in a bad mood, you're mad, you're upset, because you've, you've done, the first thing you did is you put all these other things first rather than God first. You ought to take time to put God first. The second thing is you ought to give him the first day of every week. Thank God you're here on Sunday, even on a spring forward. Thank you for being here this morning. But Acts 20, verse 7, it says that on the first day of the week, the disciples came together. So you start your week off on Sunday, the first day of the week, coming to church, coming to give God praise, coming to give honor. Why do Christians worship God on Sunday? For two reasons. Jesus rose on a Sunday morning. So around here, we celebrate Easter every Sunday. Every Sunday, we celebrate his resurrection. And the Bible says that they came together to worship God on the first day of the week. The Bible said that John, in the book of Revelation, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and he was worshiping God the first day of the week. So the first day of the week, we're going to give it to God. We're not going to give it to the NFL. We're not going to give it to ESPN. We're not going to give it to golf. We're not going to give it to chill day and kickback day. We're going to give it to the Lord's day. How many can say amen? We want to tell our children... We want to be an example to our children in the morning. They say, what are we doing Sunday morning? Your children automatically know that you're going to church on Sunday morning. It's not an option. It's not something we're thinking about. It's something that we do the first day of the week, kids. You don't ask me what our mom and dad are going to do this Sunday morning. They automatically know. How many know we don't go by our emotions? We live by our commitment. Could you imagine getting up on Monday morning? You tell your kids, kids, do you guys want to go to school or you want to stay home? What do you want to do? Can I tell you, your kids say, we want to stay home. But he said, no, you need to get an education. Get up, get out of bed, you know, in the next five minutes, get up, get brushing your teeth because uh, you're going to go to school today. And this is what we do to our children. We set the example. They don't call the shots. I don't know if I'm going to go to church. You know, my kids, I'm not sure. Your kids don't make the decision. They're immature. You're mature. You run the house. Somebody say amen. You're the one. You don't stay home because you, you and your wife got an argument last night. Oh, he got mad at me. She got mad at me. This happened. Uh, uh, you know what? Come to church. Get healed. Repent. And get it right with God. Don't, don't stay home. Don't take it out on God. It's not God's fault. And then what third thing that we do is we give to God first. Somebody say give. give. 
Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord by giving him the first of all of your income. This is called liberality. This is called generosity. This is called putting God first. We talk about, I talked last week about the tithe. In other words, uh, before we pay anything else, we don't give God the leftovers. We give God first. After paying, we don't give to God after paying all the bills, doing all that. Then we say, okay, let's see what I have left. Then I'll give to God. No, no. First thing we do is I'm going to give to God first before I pay the bill, before I take care. I'm not giving God the leftovers. I'm putting him first. The bills get the leftovers. How many know dogs get leftovers? God does not. We're, we're, we're saying when we give to God, especially when we give our time, we're saying, God, I'm grateful for the past. Thank you for it. You met my need. And I thank you, God, today that you helped me put my priorities in the present. And in faith, I'm thanking you in the future by putting you first. If you want to know what's important to you financially, just look over your bank statement. That'll really show you what's important to you. That'll show you what, where you really spend your money at. Am I right? And if you begin to look, it'll show you that Jesus said it this way, Matthew 6, 21. He says, for, your, for where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there also. Your heart will always be, he said, where your treasure is. It will always be. Show me where you're investing your money, and I'll tell you where your heart is. Don't tell me, oh, my heart's here. I love God. And you never give a dime to God. You only give God a few dollars. You only give him the leftover friend. I can tell you that's where your heart is. Put God first financially. Can you say amen? Say, I'm going to put God first financially. Look at what Deuteronomy 14.23 said. The purpose of tithing, what, is to teach us to put God first in every area of our life. That is the purpose. To teach us to put God first. It's saying, God, I'm going to put you first. In fact, Paul the Apostle said, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money that you have earned. So it's the first day. We're not giving to God on the last day. We're giving God on the first day. We're saying, God, this is yours. And we bring the tithe into the storehouse, not some online ministry or some parachurch. It's where you're at, where the community's at, to the storehouse. Am I right? So I'm going to put God first. I'm gonna, it's where I worship God. It's where I come and I'm committed to. And so a lot of us this morning, when we begin to think about that commitment and we begin to think about that investment, we're saying, man, that's a lot of commitment. But can I tell you, the world doesn't make apologies for that commitment. How many have ever signed up your kids for a little league or football or anything like that? How many have ever done that? I want to tell you something, man. They demand commitment. They say, you're going to pay this fee, or your son doesn't play, and you're going to wear these shoes, and these types of shirts, and this, uh, this uniform, if you, and you got to come here early, and you got to come to practice, and, they're got, and you can't say anything about the coach. You can't tell them to put your, your son in more time. You're not the coach. You don't tell the pastor anything. You don't tell the coach anything. You hear what I'm saying? You don't, you don't tell him what, who, who he can play, who he can't play. You don't argue with the empire. That's part of your commitment. If you argue with the empire, you get kicked out of the game. Are you hearing me? And then they tell you, you got to sell these many candy bars. 
and you got to work the snack bar. They don't, they don't ask you, hey, can you, can you do this? You're doing this. You're selling so many things. This is what it's going to take if you want your son to play because we demand commitment around here. If it's going to happen, they make no apologies for your investment. Somebody say amen. It's all about commitment. If the world doesn't apologize for what they do, how, why should God apologize to us? And God is saying today, put me first in everything that you do. Put me first in every decision that you make. And so I want to encourage you this morning. I'm going to read you one more scripture, Proverbs 3. It says, in everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you. And here's the, here's the promise. He says, he'll crown your efforts with success. He will crown your efforts with success. We want to put God first. How many want to put God first in your life today? I'm making a commitment. I'm going to put God first. So let me just share something with you before I go on. I was going to do it at the end of the service, but I've decided I'm going to do it in the, this part of the service today. We're, we're committed to every year we do what we call our REACH conference. We have a conference every year. Hey, come on. You guys excited over that conference? And this year's conference is called Finish the Fight. We're going we're, we're gonna to finish what we started. And uh, that conference is coming up in August. August 1st through the 4th is our REACH conference. And I want to just share with you what we do in that conference is we bring in all of our churches uh, that are throughout Southern California, uh, Texas, Washington, Colorado, and we bring them in and uh, some, we bring in some and help bring in some of the workers that they have with them, people in ministry. And you can see some of our conference scenes here. It's at the Marriott in, in Torrance. Uh, we have quite a bit of crowd because so many of the churches come and join and their lives are really changed. The pastors that we've sent out out of this church that we launched out of this church uh, are, are coming back to be refreshed and they're coming back to bring their congregation. But it's a large investment. But how many know we're committed? Hallelujah. We are, we are launching a church. We are sending church. We believe in sending out workers and starting new churches. Uh, and we've done that. We're investing some of our churches to send out workers. Uh, and we do it every year. But it is a cost a large cost, and the bulk of that cost is carried by our, us, the church here, the sending church. And because we're the sending church, we carry, carry the bulk of most of these expenses. We'll raise offerings there. Many of the churches help out. But I'm going to be honest with you. Our church carries the bulk of it. It is our responsibility. We're committed to this. We want to help our churches, want to help the workers. And it's also a platform many times for new churches to be announced, uh, more ministries to be announced, all of that happens in that conference. We're going to have a dynamic time, but it does take a committed people financially above what we give here to be able to do it. We've done this every year, and we're going to do it now. We take a conference pledge. And in fact, why don't you hand out these conference pledges? And in this conference pledge, as you hold it in your hand, what we do for the next three months, I believe it's starting in April. It's April, May, June. Uh, yeah, April, May, June. And what we do is we have several options that you can give. And this is, you have the $400 option. The next three months, you're willing to give $400 toward this conference. 
or you're willing to give 800, 800. Now, a lot of us say, well, you know, I don't believe in pledging. I don't believe in giving monthly, and I'm pledging. But you do that with a car payment. You do that with your house payment. Are you with me? We're willing to do that, but we need to do it for God. Say, hey, you know, I'm going to commit myself uh, for the next three months and a total there, you can give the total of 400, total of 600. And then what, also what we're doing is we're, we're giving you our conference t-shirt. I know it costs a lot more or a lot less, but we want to at least bless you with something that once you complete the pledge, the day of the conference, uh, you can put the side of the shirt and it'll have our logo. It'll have uh, the, the, uh, the insignia there. But we want to encourage you today to do this. This is really something uh, dynamic that we've done every year, and our church does it, man. I'm telling you, uh, our church brings in the support to be able to carry this cost, and it's all of us working together, and I want to encourage you. Some of you can give more than $400 in three months. Some of you can give up to $1,000. Come on. Think about what you, how much do you spend going out? How much you, how much you going to spend eating out today and every weekend? And, you, and if you put a theater in there, I don't know how much is the theater now, like 15 bucks a, a thing or something like that? 20 bucks? Man, I haven't been around in a while. Amen. I haven't gone to the theater. Somebody needs to take me. So anyway, $20. <laughs> how much is that popcorn now? Is that 12, 15 bucks too? Mike, 10 bucks. Oh my gosh. So you got 10 bucks. That's $30 already. And if you take your, and you ought to treat the girl that you're taking. So let's just say, you know, that's $50. And if you ate dinner after or before, my good, that could be 100 bucks in one weekend. And what we're saying is for, for $400, $600 in the next three months. So you could space it out any way you want. If you want to give the whole thing, you can right now. Uh, or if you want to give it monthly, you can, whether it's 600, 800,000, whatever. And it has different options there. But we need you to fill out this card this morning so that we can add up and see where we're at because we, we have to pay a lot up front. Uh, the, the Marriott, they don't make you, they, they make you pay it monthly. They say, hey, start paying it now. Now what, this conference will cost us about $120,000 when you include all the hotels, when you include all the rooms that we're renting. Uh, we're renting a sound system, media, Everything that we have to make that happen, and, and any, any people we have flying in, we have some guest speakers that will be coming in and ministering at the conference. It's really going to be really dynamic. We pay for all of that cost, so it's quite a bit, it's big endeavor for our church that we can't just do it from our church finances. We have to take some pledges here this morning, but how many know we're committed? We can get it done. How many can say amen? We can do this. We can do this. And so what we want you to do is fill it out. If you need a pen, they'll give you one. Uh, after service, we can, uh, or, or we have the offering baskets up here. And, uh, okay, they can walk out and give it to you there. Okay. So on your way out in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then you can fill this out. You can fill it out now. Or you can fill it out. Or if some of you say, man, uh, uh, you know what? I, I want, if you want to give more than this. Amen. Just put, you know, 2,000 if you want, whatever you want to do on there. If you want to, however you want to do it. Uh, but I, I, I want to encourage you. 
All of us need to commit ourselves to doing it. I am the, we just, we just did it with the leaders. I think, uh, I don't know how much money came in. What was that, like 6,000 or something like 7,000 came in just with some of the leaders that we had the other night. Uh, we already have 7,000 pledged in the next four months. So uh, we want everybody to participate because if we, if we believe in what this church is doing, this vision here and what God's doing, I'm telling you, then we'll commit ourselves uh, to making a pledge for the next three months. And again, that'll be April. It'll start April, May, June. By the time we get into the conference in August, uh, we have really uh, uh, paid a lot of that chunk of that conference already. We appreciate your giving. We appreciate your liberality this morning. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Lord. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.